0: And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane back to reality. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your travel experiences at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.
1: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have to get 30, 30, to get
2: 30, to get 20, 20, 20, I bet you get 20, 20, maybe get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So
1: give it a try at switch.
3: $45 up front for three months plus
2: taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 381. I've been up a really long time, uh, which is how I'm able to achieve. Maximum bassness in my voice. Uh, I was up in Northern California for course of the force. We ran a lightsaber across the Golden Gate Bridge, uh, and had the Job of the Hutt pleasure barge, which. Um created a little bit of traffic sorry but it was worth it it's for make a wish uh you can see footage of this uh, the cosplay has been absolutely incredible it's at uh, youtube.com slash nerdist click subscribe while you're there or you can also go to starwars.com slash course of the force and see uh, all the pics that we've been taking uh, we're almost to san diego for comic-con international so just a handful more days If you go and uh, you see on the map that we're going to be in a town that you live in, come by, say hi, come to one of the carnivals afterwards and uh, high-five us all and hug some people for uh, running a lightsaber for charity. Uh, Thanks to everyone who's been involved so far. I would also like to point out that uh, I will be performing at Just for Laughs in Montreal. Uh, I'm doing a show... A Talk of the Fest show we're taping for Canadian television on July 23rd at Club Soda. There's two shows, so come to one of them. Um, Montreal Just for Laughs Festival is the website's hahaha.com. That's it, just hahaha.com. And then you can uh, search for the show. I don't know if we're allowed to announce everything that we're doing there, but let's just say that I'll be there, and Jonah will be there, and Matt will probably be there, if that uh, tells you anything. Um so haha.com and search search for the shows. I'd like to thank for sponsoring this episode of the Nerdist Podcast. Audible.com. Uh, go to Audible.com slash get your free audiobook download. They have over a hundred thousand titles to choose from. You're gonna find something you've probably already listened to an Audible book and you didn't even know it. Um, so if you listen to if you listen to a book that someone is reading and you're listening to it with your ears, it probably came from Audible. I would like to recommend uh, Neil Gaiman's new book, The Ocean at the End of the Lane, a novel.
3: actually I'm so sorry. I tried to make sure it was off.
1: Well, you really made oh, I'm sure. I'm so
4: sorry. Well, turn it in. off. It won't mute.
0: mute. I don't even know what's playing right now. There it is. Okay.
1: What was that? I don't know. All the windows opened at once. <laughs> Did you get a window storm?
3: <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm <well, they're>
1: sorry. <sighs> Skydart won't open tabs. She just opens individual I windows know. for everything. There's like I've a million of them on her desktop, and so like. I've got tabs in all of those
3: windows. Are you serious?
1: Yeah. So the most irritating thing is that some ad will start playing, and then it's like a fucking Easter egg hunt, trying to find which window it's in I'm somewhere. I'm a window
4: hoarder. I'm sorry. Stop
1: window hoarding. Sorry. Stop window hoarding. Sorry. That's all right. Skynet's been up a long time too. <laughs> Do you have a bassy voice?
3: I have a bassy voice.
1: That's pretty (laughs) bassy.
3: I have a voice.
1: (laughs) You have a voice. I don't. I can't do a Busey impression. Can you? Uh, um, How much coke do you have? (laughs) The Ocean at the End of the Lane, a novel read by Neil Gaiman, which, by the way, you could listen to Neil Gaiman read the ingredients on a taco shell box and you would be completely enamored. So that's at audible.com slash Nerdist. Sign up and get your free audiobook. Thanks to Audible for sponsoring this episode of the Nerdist Podcast. This episode, which is Tig Notaro. Um, and so if you listen to this podcast, you probably are aware of certain comedy circles and you probably know what Tig went through last year. Um, but it was basically just uh, a confluence of awfulness. And she managed to come out the other side of it. And hadn't really had a chance to sit down and talk with her about it until this podcast. And it's, I would say, if this makes any sense, this podcast is heavier than normal, but also lighter in a weird way. I don't know if that makes any sense, but it's just, she speaks with such a a frankness and an openness, and um, it's comforting. And... She's one of the bravest people I know, and and inspiring, and hilarious, in spite of everything that happened. I, I can easily say that this is one of my favorite episodes out of the almost 400 episodes we've done. Um, it was... It felt really special. And uh, so here it is. It's the Nerds Podcast, number 381, uh, with Tignataro, who, by the way, has uh, a couple comedy specials that you should get at Tignation.com. One of them's called Good One, and the other one is called Tignataro Live. It looks like live, but it's actually live. And um, you'll hear the whole story if you haven't uh, heard about the special. Uh, But essentially, she goes on stage right after she found out that she had cancer. And the show was recorded, and it was her doing this set about all these horrible things that happened to her last year. And it was captured um, one night at Largo. And, uh, well, I'm, I'm telling the story that she's going to tell, so I'm going to shut up. <laughs> so here it is. Uh, enjoy.
3: Now entering Nerdist.com.
1: Do you want to put headphones
3: on? Yes, I do. did not seem like
1: I didn't? Yeah, it seemed like you were just anti-headphone for a second. Is
4: this the right, left, right, left? Uh, red is right.
1: Right is red? Mm-hmm. Red is
0: right. That's, Both are correct. That's correct,
1: comrades. <laughs> red <laughs> is right.
4: Do you want to put headphones on, Tig?
1: Jesus. <laughs> How about, put those fucking headphones that's on That's more like now. it. No! Um, I'm glad to finally have you on the podcast. We almost had you on our live show in September, October in New York. And then I just sort of felt with everything that had gone on that maybe the live show was not the best place to...
4: What went on? Mm. No, tea.
1: we lost that recording anyway.
4: It was so. rainy. Yeah. We got have. it
0: back. Well,
4: it was windy. It was windy. It just wasn't right. It was a little bit windy that yeah. day. Yeah,
0: the, the weather let <laughs> us. Kind
4: of cloudy.
1: Yeah, Mother Earth let us. Astray. We're a weather-based podcast. We'll look at the we'll look at weather.com uh-huh. and I'll be like, oh, it's not. Yeah. It's going to be a little overcast. Look at the barometer, Chris. We can't have tig on. I mean,
4: <laughs> for Christ's sake,
1: the barometric pressure is way too much to sustain a podcast right now. There's just no room for it. <laughs> We need chance of precipitation below 30% and then we can actually have a podcast. Uh, but it's nice to it's nice to finally have you on. Are we on? This is it. We're always on. We got on. started. Yeah. We're always on. Yeah. Oh,
4: I was I was, <laughs> I was waiting for it to get started.
1: Oh, Okay. That happens a lot.
4: <laughs> when does the Nerdist song start?
1: Da na 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 Hey. Is that the sitcom
0: version of it? Yep. <laughs> that's it's a Bobby McFerrin version yeah. of it.
4: <laughs> How is Bobby? I haven't
0: talked to him in ever so Oh my I, god, it's I, been a while He's been, been hanging a, out with Michael Winslow, I know that much
1: <laughs> Oh my god, that'd be a terrible situation <laughs> That'd be the fucking best situation You know what, we could recreate the Don't Worry Be Happy video We could get Robin and Bill Irwin And just shoot it again
2: Yeah, but won't he isn't uh, Won't Bobby fair not perform that song ever again
0: He probably won't perform it ever again I checked out his That's new like album his rule. There's no, there's, like he's just singing Right. There's no like you know boops. And- what
4: would make somebody check out Bobby McFerrin's new album? <laughs> I mean, I don't just, worry. Be happy. <laughs> I know, but it's like just waiting for that follow up and like, no, how many no, has he put out?
0: Well, no, it's because uh, you know I, I have like a music subscription service where I can stream new releases mm-hmm. and some of that. So I was looking through the new releases. And I was like, Bobby McFerrin, I'm I'm in for some soothing music.
4: And and what's a little taste of something you heard?
0: Uh, a lot of strings. A lot of uh, a lot of just kind of crooning.
4: Uh-huh. Um, strings
0: and crooning. crooning. Yeah.
1: Everyone was happy in the eighties though. I feel now it would just be like sort of worry. Oh, that's because Coke was so be content. Then.
0: But he wasn't he was all he wasn't about
4: Coke. I think man. people are more than honest. sort of worried. But, well, yeah. I think people are panicked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, there's a Real bad situation going on right now as we speak. There's a lot of pants shitting in in Egypt
1: going on. Yes. Yes.
0: Well, there's been
4: a lot of horrible things going on for a very long time.
1: Mm -hmm. We're just more aware of them now than we've ever been before.
4: Instantly aware. It was
1: much easier to, you know, essentially, you know, imagine... That you're on a farm in in the uh, middle of the United mm-hmm. States somewhere. <laughs> I like it. Take it there. Okay. What What would you put on your farm? Would it be some chickens or a cow or two? It doesn't matter. The point is one chicken. One chicken. I would a massive a huge farm,
4: farm. Just put one and put chicken. One chicken. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's why it's called One Chicken Farms. Yes.
4: Yeah. <laughs> At the entrance of the gate there. Yeah. It
0: was twin chicken farms until Marty, <laughs> until hit, it with Marty hit one yeah, yeah, with the glory. Yeah, exactly.
4: Uno, uh, one Chicken Ranch.
0: Uno Pollo one Farms. Chicken
4: Ranch.
0: <laughs> Uno Pollo Ranchero.
1: A lot of creepy guys are showing up
0: for to some reason. To my one
4: chicken yeah, ranch. But it is just
1: literally a one chicken
0: ranch. Yes,
4: please. Yeah. Out of here, buddy. No. Is, it,
1: is it located anywhere
0: near a two horse town?
4: Um, I, I don't want to say on the podcast. I don't want people yeah, to show up. Right.
1: Yeah. You yeah. Don't wanna, so you live on this one chicken ranch. Sure. And well, actually that sounds like the most expensive whorehouse in the Beverly Hills of Las Vegas. Oh, we live at one chicken ranch.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Why does that
4: sound expensive? You know, it's it was, one chicken. Like, like one Rodeo
1: Drive. You know, like oh, one oh, Rodeo oh, Drive. Oh, okay, we sure. live at one chicken ranch. <laughs> yeah. um, but, uh, uh, but just having the ability to be isolated from the not kind of really not knowing what's going on in the world and you know occasionally you'll get a newspaper or the sears catalog will show up but in general you live a very isolated existence and you know paint blissfully unaware of how horrible things actually can be in the world mm-hmm. yeah um did uh, i mean I, I know you've talked a lot about it before but did the go- chicken the chicken yeah did did going through the chicken uh, <laughs> change any of your perspective on any of that stuff? Is it for eggs or, or meat?
4: Uh, did I have the chicken? Yeah. Uh, just, just, uh, just for company. Oh. You can't, you, <laughs> you can't really do
0: anything nice. to that chicken. It's right. it's, you don't want to be a no chicken ranch. That's just a ranch.
4: Which came first, the chicken or the company? Well, yeah. wait a minute. That's Is, stupid. If you had a, if you had a house chicken, <laughs> sure
1: is do you do you count the house chicken as the ranch chicken or is there a separate ranch chicken but then you have a companion house chicken
4: No it's Chris it's one chicken ranch. <laughs> you can search all you want. There's not a second chicken.
1: I'm going to tear this place apart until delight. they are under a floorboard somewhere. Chris Hardwick yeah. is back. What are all these chickens doing under the floorboards? Yeah. I'm sorry. I should justify. What's with all these feathers in your car, Chris? <laughs> For tax reasons, I can only have one chicken to the government. You just
2: walk in, you feel one floorboard creak, you like pull it up ah! and there's, it's just, like, <laughs> like, there's just little heads. Oh, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you're so getting very bucky. So you're
0: basically
1: in the beginning of Inglorious
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, I'm a yeah. I'm a German. I'm a strange German mm-hmm. who's just
4: It's not normal.
1: To just well, I'm just telling a story about a chicken that's I oh this is interesting. What's under the floor? And then is that a German? German Yeah, I was, I was gonna, gonna say that's a Christoph Waltz German English mash, mashup okay. accent.
4: All right. Mash I'll, up. I'll
1: that. Yep. That's that's what that is. Um Thanks for being on Tig uh,
4: Absolutely <laughs> Um I want some time alone right now. Oh
1: yeah, oh, like the chicken. The chicken. Or? Yes. <laughs> yes,
4: I'm so used to just being around one chicken. This very uncomfortable.
1: Do you know who we've just described? Gonzo from the Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> Gonzo lives on one chicken ranch.
4: No. He has t- he a. He t- t- lives, a, he lives he on
1: one
0: chicken many.
4: ranch. Yes, <laughs> Chris, you will not accept what is happening. I live. <laughs> uh, you try and make this it. This <laughs> looks
3: familiar <laughs> vaguely
4: that's a better German Famili- accent
3: actually.
4: <laughs> oh. <laughs> you have your accents messed up so I
1: guess it appears that you might have some Jews hiding under the floor Gonzo
4: <laughs> 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 out of here
1: that's Gonzo trying to deny his SS past uh, which <laughs> he's managed to keep secret all these years That's why he just befriends chickens. He was so horribly scarred by his war crimes that he he could only. It's kind of like how in MASH, in that episode of MASH, terrible name for a boat, S.S. (laughs) pass. (laughs) <laughs> Where Hawkeye keeps thinking a woman killed a chicken but it was actually a chi- a baby that she smothered but in his brain his brain broke and then he thought it a was a chicken. Is that a real episode? That was the last episode. Yeah, he's oh. in a psych ward. Spoiler alert. He's in a psych ward <laughs> <laughs> and um
4: Yeah, no, dude, don't tell me. Don't tell me. He
1: keeps having this recurring memory of how a woman kills a chicken on a bus, but then when he starts digging deeper, he rem- the, this doctor gets him to remember that He's <laughs> he screams at this woman to shut up her baby and not knowing what to do she smothers the child and he...
4: Oh um, was this a sitcom?
1: <laughs> it was until the last episode <laughs> and then uh, and then he relives the fact that this, this was a horrible thing that he witnessed. And what
2: is this? A hundred and five
1: oh million people
4: This is a, this is a comedy that. sitcom. Oh,
1: yep. God. A, I needed a, a laugh situa- track with that That story.
4: was it
3: more it of a... That was comedy
4: situation of comedy. It was just
1: more of a sit. The last one was just more of a sit.
4: <laughs> when I was little um i well you're
1: not huge
4: i know when i say that around sarah silverman she's always like uh when i say when i was little uh yeah, who cares she i guess i'm saying she's made that joke okay that. good we're about the same size me yeah
1: yeah we're, we're we have this roughly the same build the same build yeah
4: is that offensive
1: not at all as a matter of fact i feel like we constantly admire, admire each other's clothing
4: We do. I'm like, that's
1: a fucking cool shirt you're wearing. I would love to wear that Yeah, I
4: always like your outfits and and your build. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What am I saying? When you were little. When I was little. Sitcoms. Oh, I thought the word sitcom meant sit calmly and watch this. (laughs) That's that's British sitcoms. (laughs) But I think it was because I was so... Just full of energy, believe it or not, as a child, and I couldn't sit still. And so when I had to sit down and watch something, it felt like,
1: you know, it was a, it was a sitcom.
4: Yeah, just sit calmly, Tig. Please <laughs> for one half hour. Yes, for. There
1: are, I feel like a lot of comedies on television now are sitcoms. Just <laughs> sit calmly.
4: Yeah, get through this. Just, just
1: get just let it distract you for twenty two minutes. See, like...
4: I I, I love like. Um, Good times, and um, we all love good times. Yeah, we all do love good times. <laughs> um, you and,
1: mean dynamite good times, Jimmy oh, Walker? yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why did you just make a mustache? That's what he
4: did. He'd go
1: because he had a, well, just a hint know, of a mustache. Yeah.
4: Um, I, I don't need to go into all the sitcoms that I enjoyed, but I did enjoy a few in the seventies, and then I never sat calm again. <laughs>
3: is
0: that
1: it's like after a show's already cancelled it was a satcom
4: yes yeah. satcomly
1: satcommed you were satcommed yeah we can explore tenses on both of the words
4: would in this, love to
1: in this fun grammar play that, sure. that we're all having but you I thought you would stop were you, did you take a break from stand up for a while
4: well I had cancer
1: well I understand <laughs> that yeah but that doesn't mean I, I just mean, pushed through you know like Louis was working mic. on Conan that was hard he still got up and did sets <laughs> You just Um, gotta want it.
4: Let's see. Yeah, I took a break. Um, (laughs) Well, I had cancer. (laughs) Well, yeah, I I had I had a few things go terribly amiss. I know
1: you had cancer. I was Um, I was really sad and worried about you, and I remember texting you when I found out that you were gonna be okay, and just being like, and I was genuinely, you know, even though we never hang out that much. Ever, ever, we don't. Yeah, we we see each other at shows, but you're still one of those people that I always feel like I I don't know. I just I feel like I have a a fun connection to you, and I I genuinely care about what happens to you. And I was I was really upset and worried for you. So I'm well, I'm glad you. that it I'm glad that it all I'm glad that you're okay, and I'm sorry that it that it happened. And is there how do you feel now coming out? You know, it's been about a year now.
4: Um, it will be a year on July 25th that I was diagnosed. Um, but like March is when I, I've already hit some one year marks of like, cause it started with, I had gotten pneumonia and then I took antibiotics and I don't know if you know all this, but I had contracted this deadly thing called C diff and I was hospitalized for that and had lost 20 pounds. And then when I got out of the hospital, I, um, my mother tripped and hit her head and died. Oh, Jesus and Christ. And then my uh, girlfriend and I broke up a few weeks after that. And then I was diagnosed with cancer. And so that was in a four-month period of time. And so...
1: And at that point, you had to laugh, right?
4: Honestly. That's when I it I did. I nothing was, was funny. Was it right
2: when the car drove by and splashed you
3: when you're on the yeah. side? You're right. Like, there are days. And I shook and my fist. <laughs> <laughs>
4: um but yeah, it was th- those year anniversaries have happened. Um you know, losing my mother and and being hospitalized for the other illnesses and stuff. But now my year anniversary is coming up for cancer and um
0: what are you guys gonna do to celebrate?
4: I'm not sure. I uh, you take the chicken out. <laughs> yeah, by you guys. I'm assuming you mean me and the old. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, Just around the
0: ranch probably. That's uh-huh. all I really ever likes to do.
4: It's adorable. <laughs> it was so there for me though through the cancer. Yeah. Mm. But well, well al- I'm gonna head out. Huh? Well, I've always. <laughs>
3: said-
4: <laughs> <laughs> And I just want to go back to um, things that we like. You know that I was—I was crazy about *Hard and Firm*. Really? Have I not told you that enough well, in your existence? Don't you yeah. don't remember me ever saying I, this.
1: I do remember you saying that. It was yeah. just
4: like uh, the greatest thing. It was fun. I had ever scene i enjoyed it so much
1: it was fun we still try to squeak stuff out every once in a while mm-hmm. but it's but we just don't our, our schedules are yeah kind of crazy yeah
4: anyway i just had to go back to that
1: well it's sort of you know the uh you work with people like you'll you'll make stuff with people and then at a certain point you might have to sort of go separate ways not for any bad reason and then and then all of a sudden you look back and you go that was a long time ago like haven't, you must have had that with as long as you've been in comedy and just different people that you've worked with and different people that pop up in your life, and then you sort of you you sort of move on without even realizing like oh that phase is now over because yeah. it's just not happening anymore.
4: Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, as far as hard and firm, I would always see you at at um, festivals and shows and whatever, and yeah. and um, and for me that was that was always a highlight.
1: Well, I appreciate that. So you 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 kind of. It was basically just a um, a nesting doll of tragedy Mm -hmm. for for four straight months. Yes, and then uh, and you said, I mean, you have this you have this legendary set from Largo where you just sort of showed up and was like, "Hey, this happened today." Everything's
4: horrible, and
1: someone happened to be recording it, and then uh, well,
4: I knew they were recording it because I had done. uh, an episode of This American Life, mm-hmm. and it was uh, this this story I've told many times about running into Taylor Dane, and it did <laughs> it
3: did
4: uh, it did well on the show. And and, and um, Ira Glass called me a few days later, going, "Your you know story has done really well. We want you back on immediately." And I was like, Ira, <laughs> I was like, I don't feel like telling a funny story. Um, my life is falling apart and um, and I feel like talking about that. And so he was like, okay, great. Let's talk about that. And so I wrote up about 10 pages and then I sent it to him and we met in person and I walked in and he's looking at all these pages and he just, he was like, this is so depressing. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, that's, (laughs) (laughs) That's
3: my life. Remember before I was telling you. Yeah.
4: But he was saying, I don't want you just to come in to the studio and tell me this story. He said, I feel like your strength is is your performance, and so if any of this ever becomes funny to you, I think you should try and do it on stage. And I was just, I left his office just like, giving him the bird. I was like, find this funny? My mother just died. I'm going through a breakup. I'm 20 pounds less than I normally am. Like I just, I was, there, there was nothing funny to me. And then I was diagnosed with cancer, and I, I I everything became hilarious to me and um and so I went on stage and I asked Largo to record it because I was going to see if I could get a rough cut of something mm-hmm. and um, and it went better than I thought it was going to go, and so I emailed Ira and said, "Hey, I think I might have something that you could
1: air well, had you done any had you
4: tried any of this no. stuff? So
1: it, that like that was the one...
4: That was the one time. And that's time. probably why
1: it felt so extra special, too, is that it really was like, this is a one-time thing that just got captured, and that's it. Yeah,
4: I had been diagnosed on uh, a Wednesday, and my show at Largo was supposed to be that weekend, and I called Flanagan, the owner, and I said, look, I just found out I have cancer, I'm just not in the mood to perform... And he said... So Sunday, then? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> 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 we'll get you up Monday, then, all right?
3: Yeah. Um, what was it called?
4: That I was going to call back to the German accent, but um, so he said, why don't I move the show to the following week just in some crazy, you know, some chance that you want to perform. So he
1: really did say then Sunday.
4: Then. Well, well, he said the following week and he yeah. said, but if up to the last minute you say no, we'll just take it off the books. Okay. He said, no problem, but maybe you'll want to perform. And I was like, there is no way I was I was so. Upset, and uh, and then the next week comes, and the day before my performance, I had put off going to find out my the stage of cancer prognosis, all that kind of stuff, because I was a little emotionally backed up. Sure, <laughs> I was. Just, yeah. My friends were like, "Go to the, you know," because all I got was a phone call that I had cancer essentially, and then I had to make an appointment to get the details. And so, um, <laughs> a
2: terrible week of waiting, like to find the details. Well,
4: it was, but I was again, so, this was four months <sighs> of like nonstop hell. And I just, I, I was so dreading hearing there is no hope and you are dying. Like <sighs> I just, I couldn't bring myself to find out what was going on because they had found cancer, uh on in both breasts and so i it didn't sound great um never does yeah but i thought it was just one side and then they're like oh there's tumors here and and so i was just i was like "I, i can't i can't process this and then um and so i went in the day before the show that i did at largo and the doctor was like uh well it's stage 2 the tumor on the left is invasive which means the cancer is not contained and we will not know until surgery if this has spread or not and i was just like no no i i just this can't be my life like i just i was devastated and i was crying like i'm just i'm not i don't I'm not a crybaby, guys.
3: I don't think anyone
0: would (laughs) be to
4: to,
0: walk it off like no one's going to be.
4: No, I know, but I'm just saying in my regular life, I'm just not hyper. Only two
2: people have ever seen her cry, the doctor and the chicken. Chicken.
4: (laughs) Chicken's not a person, buddy. But I was openly weeping on the sidewalk in my friend's arms, you know, like I was devastated. And so the next day I was on stage at Largo because... I didn't know if my cancer had spread. I didn't know if I was living or dying. And I love doing stand-up. And I did feel like I had witnessed my life falling apart so quickly that I I just, I, I was in such shock that everything was going away and uh, so quickly that I had no reason to think that things were going to be okay. And so... I was scared that was going to be my last time to perform, you know? Oh, shit. And I loved stand up so much. So I was just like, I have to perform one more time, you know? And I was like, what if it is a good enough set that it could be on This American Life again? You know, I was like, I, I, I don't want to miss that opportunity either. <laughs> the I was performer just like, side, like, Yeah, I was like, oh,
1: There's going to be a lot of agents in the audience.
4: <laughs> right. I was trying to make it. Um, I was hoping to get discovered. Um, was but part, it was, was part of
1: you like, what if it doesn't go well? then you're like, Oh,
4: I didn't think it was going to go well. There was no part of me that thought it was going to go well. I thought this was going to be the single most uncomfortably horrible show in the world. And so when I was getting laughs, um, and I really, I didn't know how to go into the set to get into that material because it was so dark and weird. And, um, and uh, about an hour and a half before the show, I was taking a shower and, um, and I was just like, how am I going to get into all this? Like, and then I, I thought chronologically, I would, I would just, it, I would keep it very linear. And then I was like, no. And it was that moment of true editing. You have to get to the point. What is the point? Well, the most pressing point is I have cancer. And so in the shower, I just pictured myself walking out on stage and being like, hi, I have cancer. <laughs> and it was making me laugh so hard in the shower. And then I was like, I can't, I can't open a show <laughs> waving at the audience saying, hi, I have cancer. How's everyone doing tonight? And then I just kept, like, as I was driving to the show, I just kept replaying that and laughing so hard. And then, uh, and I was so nervous backstage because nobody, Bill Burr, Louie, Mary Lynn, and Ed Helms were all on the show, and nobody knew I was about to go out and do that. And I was just like, I didn't want to hear any advice or don't do that or, you know. And so I, I was like, ah! And I, when I hear that recording, I can hear it, my voice is shaking, you know? I was so scared to to do that, but it just... it. I mean, there were certainly awkward, uncomfortable moments, but it went so beyond what I could have ever imagined. I remember seeing Louis tweet about it. She mm-hmm. basically just
1: said, like, I just saw the most amazing mm-hmm. set I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, and Bill too. And and is it, um, did it, did it sort of change how you view comedy in the sense of, you know, oh, you know, you, I mean, you, you know, you're yourself, uh, you're a version of yourself on stage. You're talking about things that obviously you think are silly or funny. And so they are related to you, but just the idea of being in a situation where you had to go on stage as essentially vulnerable and open and honest as possible and sort of realizing, like, oh, maybe this is actually where comedy comes from.
4: Well, it's... Certainly, comedy comes from that. But not only. Sure. And obviously. Like, you guys are like, really? (laughs) Um, But in that moment that was what was the funniest silliest thing to me was that I had cancer, you know, and it was the most pressing for me to talk about. I I couldn't go on stage and do and talk about a run in with Taylor Dane or anything like that. And so, um, that's not my typical style. I, I like silliness. I love silliness actually. And, um, um, it was just that moment. And people kept asking me. I, I didn't do stand-up after I did that show for, uh, m- m- I don't know, until a few months ago. I, I didn't do stand-up for, I don't know, six to n- nine months. I, I really don't know. I haven't done the math. But uh, everyone kept saying, has, has it changed you as a comedian? And I kept saying, I, I don't even know who I am anymore. I, I haven't performed since then. I don't know and then when i started performing again it was just silliness you know it was it was it i'm i'm not some hard hitting comedian that's no, telling no. anything like it is you know <laughs> and um but i i realized that that's that is who i am as a stand up is who i always was you know yeah. it was just that moment in time and i'm i also think about just evolving as a comedian one of the things that has been helpful for me has been to take my own advice which has been if i think something is funny i want to do it mm-hmm. whether it's a one line joke a 20 minute story about taylor dane um a physical bit crowd work or telling the audience that i have cancer you know whenever i picture a comedian saying this isn't my normal style. Should I do it? There, no part of me would be like, if it's not your normal style, I, I would, I would stick to. You know, th- that's not your thing. You know, mm-hmm. and right. so I feel like ultimately, allowing myself to do those other type of things has made me grow as a comedian. But it's not the one thing I always return to. You know?
1: w- were you worried when you went back on stage that people were going to be like, oh, that's the woman who had cancer or like would you worry that they were going to be really ginger around you like gingerly around you and and gentle because they you know like when people get very like oh is it okay is it all right to all yeah (laughs)
4: yeah yeah it's funny i mean even when people would come over when i had (laughs) when i had cancer before my surgery and they just come over to you know visit with me. If I got it, if I was like, hey can I get you some water? They'd be like I'll get it, <laughs> and I, guys. I can still walk, you know. Um, but you know, I've only done three real gigs since I've had cancer. Uh, meaning like road gigs. I did Bloomington, Durham, and um, Iowa City. Mm-hmm. And uh, the major hot spots. <laughs> and actually,
1: Bloomington, the Comedy Attic no, is I, fucking it, great.
4: Yeah, I did. There's a, a there's a theater there. You did the theater. Uh huh. Yeah, and but th- my label is there. I'm with Secretly Canadian. That's mm-hmm. a indie rock label, and they're out of Bloomington. And so I do Bloomington a lot. And um, Bloomington's actually all those cities are amazing. Yeah. And um, when I went on stage, I was thinking, my fan base has grown and changed and i wonder when i walk out on stage if if people are going to feel like you know we better hear some heavy or cancer type stuff yeah you know
0: some confessional like, yeah
4: biography yeah and if something comes up authentically then i'll do it but if i just i thought well, i hope that my show is good enough that even if It's a housewife from middle America that is here. I hope she enjoys the silliness. I
1: think that's where, you know, having done comedy for over a decade, I would imagine that's where that that kicks in, you know, where it's like you. Maybe you might doubt yourself and go, I don't know if I can, you know, but then there's just something about that machine that you've tightened up all those years where it just kicks in and Mm -hmm. you're still you're a comic. Yeah, that's you're just a comic.
4: Yeah. I mean, and and it's, it's actually been so fun because I feel, and I don't know if it's in my mind or if it's really there, but the feeling of winning over people that maybe only know me from my CD about cancer. Right. You know, where I'm like, oh, that was just a really fun show. And even if they came for one thing, I feel like they left... Um, Thinking I'm amazing.
1: <laughs> you don't want that to define you.
4: The the cancer yeah. thing, right? I um, and and I thought I, you meant being amazing.
2: <laughs>
3: That'd be a great thing to be defined by.
4: Oh, I knew he didn't mean amazing. Um, <laughs> uh, no, it it. Uh, I'm I'm well aware that it's it's very much tied to me, but I also I don't care at all that it has been tied to me because I I. I feel like I have opportunities and um, and I think I can move beyond. And even if I'm still always tied to that, I'm totally fine with... I'm not going to do my big cancer tour or you right. know what I mean, but um, I, I don't mind. It's been such a positive thing in my life that I feel lucky that that I'm tied to that positive aspect of
3: it.
1: Yeah. How important do you think it is to... How important do you think comedy is for, for, for something like this? Like you said, when people are like, I'll get the water, I'll get the water, that you know that we, that we treat things... And I'm like,
3: thank you. <laughs> God final final
2: What happened to your voice all of a sudden?
3: <laughs> cancer. Oh, cancer. I don't know how it
0: works, though. I guess it oh, checks this, out. this heavy remote. Could you...
4: Uh, watching my sitcoms. <laughs> uh, now,
1: when I got here, you were doing a bunch of yoga. So that's weird that now you're asking it's me to do spread. all your errands. Right. Oh, Just. you're going to tell
4: me how
0: cancer <laughs> oh, works.
4: Come on.
1: You're going to tell. All right.
4: Cuz when I have cancer, I know how cancer works. <laughs> yeah. so.
1: But when you did the show, um, did you feel during the set, did you feel relief afterwards? Did you feel mm-hmm. hope? Did it give you anything or was it the second you were off stage like, okay, now I got to go deal with all this shitty stuff again? No,
4: I felt elated. When I cuz when I was on stage, I thought I feel like this might be a really special moment in time. I didn't think cuz Louie had called me the day after and said, "Hey, I think that show should be released for people to hear." And I I just la- I was like there's no way I'm releasing that show. It was it felt like I had been doing an open mic, you know? And so he was like uh insisting and and saying, Let me put it on my website, we'll release it and uh and I said, There's no way I'm releasing that. And and he said, Well the opportunity will always be here if you change your mind. And so after like a month and a half, I um I after talking to a bunch of friends, everybody was like, Why would you not release that? And the thought of, well, this could help people. So I released it and I'm so glad I did. But I um the show. I was so relieved it went well, and again, there are certainly awkward, uncomfortable moments in the CD, but um, in general, it went <laughs> a million times better than I ever imagined.
1: I'm actually sort of, Im-, I'm sort of impressed from the standpoint that, you know, when you think of, I think most people go, well, that's probably the worst thing that can happen to you, and then you pile on the other things that happened to you. Mm-hmm. The fact that you were able to somehow stay inside your body
3: mm-hmm.
1: and not Barely. just drift away or not walk out on stage and go, I have cancer, and then pile of tears. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the, the fact that somehow.
4: <laughs> pile of tears. Yeah, yeah. That basically
1: that you would just collapse into a heap on, st- you know, like where you think, like, oh, I can do this. And then when you're talking about it out loud, the emotion of it's just like, oh, no, this is actually way harder.
4: Well, that, it, 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 what, there were a couple of times where I thought I was going to start crying during the show. And I remember thinking, um, do not start crying (laughs) during this moment that you're talking about your mother dying or cancer or it, it, I just didn't want to feel pathetic, you know? And I wanted to appear strong. You know, it was kind of a, you know, fake it till you make it kind of feeling of, I, I don't know how I'm going to get through all of this, but I, uh, I cannot cry right now. I just I didn't want people to be like, oh, <laughs> you know, I mean, they did feel that way at moments. And I saw people crying in the audience and shaking their head and in shock and other people were laughing hysterically. It was such an, a crazy mix of what I was seeing in the audience you know and and so a lot of times I'm I'm performing but I'm also trying to console people because I I see people crying and it was a very surreal experience and I was thinking whether I live or die, I will never have a show like this again. <laughs> well, you're
1: basically you're laying out a smorgasbord of tragedy. Yeah, that uh, that so many different people have so many different connection points to.
3: Uh-huh. Oh,
1: I, you know, I've, I just lost someone to cancer, or I mm-hmm. lost a parent, or I just went through a breakup, or I just like there are so many points at which mm-hmm. someone can be like, oh gosh, mm-hmm. you know, like it really is uh, that that is it could have just been about one thing. Hmm. You know, but I
4: had to bring it all in there. <laughs> <laughs> my follow-up CD. Good. My mother tripped and died. <laughs> yeah. I, no. I. Yeah. I. I again had to. I felt like I had. To, I felt so compelled to talk about it all. And um. But. But it. Um. I am glad that I. That I. I there was such a sense of relief when I got off stage and. And all the other comedians were. Everybody was stunned. Yeah. It was the funniest thing to see. Like Louis, Marilyn, Ed, Bill Burr followed me, and he said, Oh, gosh. Yeah, no." <laughs> he, there's,
2: there's one guy. If that can anyone
4: do could it. do it. Yeah, Bill one could guy. Be the guy that he die. annihilated, and he keeps telling me he's gonna send me the audio of, from his what phone. What do I gotta do? Come out
1: here and follow the chick that yeah. got cancer.
3: Well, yeah. What am I supposed to do with that? Uh, well,
4: yeah, he uh, uh, he had his phone recording when he was walking out. And um and I had gotten a standing ovation and that whole thing of course sure. they're not going to sit down. And just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, good job. Yeah. Gonna, I guess went we have a to long. stand she up. Went a bit
0: long. <laughs>
4: <laughs> um, but I guess on his phone it, there's him saying, "Yeah, what I, I'm supposed to follow this?" And and so there's the, our exchange while we're shaking hands and I introduced him and and um and so he was on stage and then I was I walked backstage to Ed and Mary Lynn and and Louie literally just jaws agape, just stunned because they found out a lot of information about me. And I think as comedians, they were just putting themselves in that position.
1: Well, not only that, but also I think, you know, just having, like I said, you know, when I said earlier, like I don't, we don't really know, know each other as well Mm -hmm. other than like, Oh, you're someone that I would hang out with more, Mm -hmm. you know, but I, but I think I always felt like you're guarded in a mm-hmm. way, and so I don't really know that much about you. Mm-hmm. And so I I wonder if maybe there's that might be a similar situation for a lot of comedians who have that relationship Oop, with you. The guard went
4: down, and then the guard <laughs> is just like not only is the
1: guard down, it fucking it just got blown off, yeah, yeah. you know. And it's and it's really like so not only are they empathizing and then not only is there that selfish thing you do where you're like I can't even imagine if I had to go through that but then also oh this is TIG we're seeing like it's this is as you know emotionally naked as this person can be like I went from not knowing to like I know every inch of you (laughs) and so that they must have you know no
4: that's a good point I hadn't really thought about I mean I, I have thought about that in certain ways because with the press asking questions they feel like I've been private, hard to get to sure. know, but friends of mine or peers—I hadn't thought about that level. That, yeah, I see these people all the time, but I don't really know. I know certain things. I know, you know, Jonah got married. <laughs> <you know? laughs> I was even surprised you knew that.
3: <laughs> um, <laughs>
4: but yeah, I just—and uh, it—it has changed me. Uh, to a certain degree with with that for sure
1: well it is i mean you know to be a comic backstage or to be anyone in the audience um you know oh i can't get a signal on my phone oh, fucking yeah. i can't on mm-hmm. this oh i got this dumb thing i got to turn in tomorrow i got a dumb audition oh that's right there's an end point to everything <laughs> and it could come at any moment like that uh-huh. All of a sudden just the 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 proximity to mortality and you know playing upon all those things that we bury most of the time. Yeah. is uh but you know but being able to wrap that in comedy is fucking it's it's not easy to do. Like you, like some people talk about mm. tragic things and it's just like, mm, this is just therapy for you and this is kind of a bummer." And Mhm.
3: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, that's why it's been hard for me to really, really talk about super personal things on stage, is because when I start to, and I'm doing it a little more now, but when I start to, it just kind of bums people out. Like I haven't honed the ability to spin it into comedy the way you or or Mark or you know or Bill or Louis has.
4: Well, I mean, I I don't. There's bits and pieces of it in the comedy that I'm writing right now, but it's 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 a it's it's hard to get in there. It's hard to. How do I approach this? And again, the idea of the shock value of just get to the point. I have cancer. How's everybody doing tonight? Everyone having a good time? Oh, because I was just diagnosed with cancer. (laughs) I mean, I just was like, I have to go into it like that. I was maniacally laughing on the way to Largo thinking about how insane that is going to be. And I, it was going to go either way and it, it cracked it open like crazy.
1: Are you less, um, th- have you been able to go back and, you know, I, I always use the onion as the, as the perfect example of, you know, after nine eleven their first thing was, you know, America, what is something like America They're yearns moving. to worry oh. about dumb stuff again? Oh. Like people just want to worry. They uh-huh. want to go back to worrying about dumb stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did it sort of change that at all, or do you still, or do you, are you sort of comfortably like, oh yeah, I can't, oh my fucking phone didn't get, serv-. like, do you still worry about stuff
4: I mean, I don't feel like I was ever fully like that, and I, I always tell people that people that know me well wouldn't say, uh, Tig, Tig needed this wake up call, you know. Obviously everyone can be more enlightened and more in touch with things than they are. E- everybody. But I... There's this... Um, I was talking to Louis, actually, a couple of weeks ago, and I was, I was talking about September 11th and how <clears throat> when the planes were going into the buildings, the terrorists told the people on the flights to call their loved ones to say goodbye and just that extra level of horror just and terror to, you know, you're going to die, so say goodbye. And and just as the plane gets closer to the building and you're making those calls, you're not thinking, I'm not going to call my sister. She stained that shirt of mine. <laughs> right. And, you know, my neighbor always, cute. not that you're going to call your neighbor, <laughs> bye! <laughs> um, but, those moments right before it's it's just kind of a place where it's a visual where i tried to imagine myself suspended in my life of a the plane and, and Louis was laughing at me going i can't believe you're using september 11th when you have your own tragedy to pull from mm-hmm. you know but it, it it's the visual of the plane almost hitting the building and what phone call are you going to make and what are you going to say? And it's only going to be, I love you, you know, that's, that's all it's going to be.
1: Or are you going to make the call because you, you know, your last memory is going to be, (laughs) I'm personally telling someone the worst thing that they could possibly hear. Like, do you you just sort of freeze with like, I think I just... You know, I don't think I in that situation I don't think I could call my mom and be like, Hey, goodbye like I don't I think I would just have to be like, I can't be the one, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the that's one. a
4: good point. But um but the the visual itself is what I think about when I think about importance and do things now and do things mindfully and 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 um all that all that kind of
1: Well, if you were if you were that way before, I mean, if you had if you were, you know, mostly that way before, then it might have been the thing that got you through it.
4: Quite possibly. I mean, I I really I mean
1: without going fucking completely crazy.
4: Yeah, I certainly had moments like that. I had such crazy breakdowns during this time where it was um, I was unrecognizable to myself. And, uh, and I always talk about with this, the idea of surrendering and, and it's such a forced in those situations, you know, I get the phone call, "Tig, your mother slipped and, and, uh, she hit her head and she's not going to make it. Can I talk to her? No, she's never again. And you have to surrender. You, it, you, what is your other choice? You know, it's it's so tremendously painful and it's hard to process. And you have cancer. It's that it brought such crazy breakdowns for me. And um, and even going down, to, I had a double mastectomy. And and even though I was (laughs) relatively flat chested before, it's still my body is different, you know, and I just I have scars now. And and I thought that it was going to. I did not want that. But now it's you surrender and and living in reality is I think what brings happiness so much is not listening to false stories in your head or, or putting yourself any place that's not real. When you're, when you're like, this is reality, it is so much more helpful, but getting through those times, it's so hard to get to reality immediately
1: well especially because most of the most of the time i feel like we live these existences where we are terrified of pain mm-hmm. we're terrified of dread you know like i i actually have the same thought about the last second before mm-hmm. the plane the plane goes into the building and what is you know is do do you surrender or do you just are you freaking out or, you know can you not control and it's I think most of the it's like how most people are afraid of dying in a plane crash rather than dropping dead of a heart attack mm-hmm. when heart attacks kill more people. There's nothing dreadful about like oh lights off. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it's the process of knowing and dealing with it and having to relay it to other people or figure out how to, it's it's the it's the fear of dread. It's the fear of experiencing pain. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like you. I mean not like you had a choice, but it sounds like you actually kind of willingly just let it happen, which is a pretty radical <laughs> but logical tactic.
4: Well, yeah, it 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 it's a combination of of both both things. Of I had to let it happen, but there's also a mindset of of this is happening. It it, it when you push it away and deny it, which, again, I, I went through a lot of that. I spent, there were three weeks I was, I, I was inconsolable after my mother died. And I could not talk without hyperventilating. I was, I was a wreck. And um, anno- I, I honestly got to a point where I was like, am I ever going to be able to talk without crying? Like, I, re- I couldn't picture it. I just thought, well I guess this is the this is new how me. It's be. Yeah. Is like when somebody says, How's it going? I'm like. Okay. <laughs> um you know, it was just a lot of that and I was like, This is this is the new me. <laughs> what do you think? Um, and I don't even know I have cancer right now. Um but but that is the um that's that point you have to get through of just that you can't you'd you'd be this crazy robot if you didn't have that hyperventilating 3 weeks that and then you go okay my mother is is gone you know
1: and obviously on the i i would imagine still very important but sort of when you sort of parse it all out like probably the bottom of the priority list is like and you went through a breakup but still fairly substantial thing to go through and is it that kind of thing where you're like
4: really now really now is this really the um i mean it it was something where it was so ultimately good and okay it was certainly stressful but i w- i had not i'd only been with her nine months and so it wasn't like this, you know, the person right before her I had been with for five years. Okay. And so that would have been like, if that happened in the middle of it, <laughs> I just would have been like, um, just lie to me right now. Right, <laughs> like, uh... just, I'm going to lie to you and you lie to me. Let's let's do that. How about let's do that and yeah. we'll get through it. But Cause... I had only been with this person six months uh, when I got pneumonia and everything went downhill from there. And it was, it's one of those things where you go, we are not in this for the long haul. You know, <laughs> like it, it's things start really creeping up and rearing its head and, 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 and you're getting through it. And, and we had reached this point. I had pushed her away so much. And when I had C. diff, which, was actually even harder to go through than cancer because nobody knows what it is, and so I couldn't call people and be like, "Oh my God, I have C diff," <laughs> you know, because people are like, "Oh, uh, well, so are you doing the show?" No, uh, you, you don't understand. No, no, no. I'm losing half a pound a day. I'm dying, you know. People die of kidney failure. Like I, I I'm, I'm, I'm dying, and so um, when that was happening, I was pushing her away. Because we hadn't been together very long, and I felt so vulnerable and so unattractive. I was just like, I was so disgusting, and I was just becoming this skeleton. And I was just like, just leave, please, please leave, just please get away from you me. You don't want to
1: bear the responsibility of bumming someone else. Yeah, out. I
4: yeah. did not want to.
1: Is it crazy that we do that? That we just you, you get to those moments where you're like. Yeah, I probably do need someone right now, but I don't want to be responsible for making your life as shitty as I feel oh like my God. mine is now. I
4: needed somebody so desperately, but I was, and I'm not somebody that yells very easily. But I was, just, I was like, get out of, like, please leave my life. I, you know, she was like, you want me to leave, and I was like, yes, please leave, please, please leave. And so there was just this huge wedge. That was between us, and it was uh, it was a hard, hard, dark time. And she was very kind and generous and and giving, and but we were falling apart. And and I had suggested time apart, and then she didn't want time apart. And then we saw each other, and the distance was still there. And then it, it was just clear that I I had reached a point where I said, you know. My life is so in purgatory right now. And this is an area where I can't be floating in a gray area. I can't be like, oh, so I wonder what's going to go on. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was, she
0: didn't text me back. Hmm, it, yeah. It's like the last thing you want to worry about. I was like, You're I have to be streamlining. You're basically streamlining. I have to be
4: done with this. And so it, it ended, and it was, it was, you know, it just, it, it's fine. I mean, we're not in contact. Um, uh, but I, I care about her, and and I, you know, there's not really anybody where I'm like, well, I don't care about them. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: but it's a weird, it's it it is a weird thing about our, it's a weird thing about our the emotional side of our brain where you feel like, no matter how much the other side of your brain wants to, like I really should feel this way or I really should do this that the that sometimes you just can't reconcile the gap between your logical brain and your emotional brain and your emotions you cannot get them to go where you need them to go or you want and I, you can't get them to go where you want them to go mm-hmm. and that effectively is heartbreaking mm-hmm. that you c- can be in a relationship you know like you know I've been in relationships in the past where I'm like I really need to be more present and I want to be more present in this relationship Mm -hmm. and I cannot make that happen for some reason Mm -hmm. and what the fuck why Mm -hmm. can't I control what I'm feeling
4: yeah yeah it's it's uh, it's I mean I I it's when I look back on that time all I can think is is thank you you were amazing and um I, I hope I hope we talk again, mm, you right. know, um, but it, it was such a it, it was such a weird ending.
1: Have you been able to date since or were you did you mm-hmm. need to? OK, good.
4: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. no, know, you know, yeah.
1: sometimes you might need a little distance from the from everything. Yeah. Yeah. When did you start feeling like everything's OK? Like when did you when were you able to wait? Because obviously going into the surgery, you say he said it, they didn't know
3: mm-hmm.
1: you weren't going to know until after the surgery. How long after going through all that, you know, did you wake up and, you know, you kind of wake up and you sort of do a quick survey of your emotions and a lot of times you're like, nope, still shitty. Oh, still, there's a still thing there. And then how long was it before you were like, oh, you know, actually, not that bad today.
4: Yeah. Well, I had different levels of it because, you know, the the odd thing when you ask, have I dated, was this is... Just crazy town But um, I had Run into somebody Right after We split That I started seeing And it was somebody (laughs) that I always Found attractive and I was like well this is crazy That now We're involved Um, You know and so it was such a That made me feel Good immediately That happened actually before I was diagnosed and then I was diagnosed, and then I went through surgery. So she went through that period of time with me. And it was, I couldn't believe this person that I'd always found attractive, I was, I was going through this with. Because once I got the diagnosis, I thought, oh, my God, awesome. I have to tell her I have cancer. <laughs> this is going to be hot. You'll never guess who it
0: was. You'll never guess taylor dane
4: what
1: (laughs) bringing it all around
4: (laughs) it actually was and um (laughs) no but um so it was a helpful time period uh we weren't it wasn't a committed relationship it was it was it was just a it was a it was the perfect thing to happen during that time the perfect person time and um and so that made me feel good and, and made me feel good about myself and my, my body. And, and now I feel almost cocky about myself and my <laughs> body. Uh, not really about myself, but I, I feel good about my body. I didn't get reconstructive surgery. I just have scars. I don't have nipples. I just have scars across my chest. And I was really uncomfortable at first, but now I'm like, yeah. Yeah, that is what my body is, and so You're like I can
2: run long distances. Nothing's chasing. <laughs> yeah. What are these nipples
0: all about? My dad doesn't yeah. have nipples anymore. What? what? Yeah, he got a flesh eating disease, and they had to like just scrape off.
4: Oh, now it. this comes out. <laughs> <laughs> wow.
0: Yeah, yeah, he a, It was like a weird, crazy form of uh, strep that just was like mm-hmm. eating away. Did he get it from uh, the water in Hawaii?
4: Uh, he got yeah, it from Taylor so. Dane.
3: Yes,
0: you'll never guess. Taylor, you'll never guess. <laughs> well, yeah, she was guess. in the water, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: and then he was—he was near her. She was remember? just on
2: Cupcake Wars last week. Taylor I've heard. Dane. Yeah. Was
4: everybody, great. everybody saw <laughs> me.
1: That's supposed to be like like Gaffigan's Hot Pockets. Like yeah. I know.
4: <laughs> <laughs> you love my voice. I know. Or, uh, Taylor Dane was there. Um, <laughs> Taylor
2: Dane is your Hot Pockets. Well, I mean, just to be clear, Tig i always talk about Cupcake Wars here. So. I
4: understand. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's been different levels of feeling good, like my. I didn't expect that to happen as far as dating, for that to be immediate. Yeah. Because I felt like such damaged goods. And then my physical health, I started feeling good, um, you know, a few months, two or three months after my surgery, because I felt really vulnerable for a long time. Uh, being in a car or out in public, I, 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 I thought I knew it wasn't going to happen, but I thought people were going to punch my chest, you know, because I I I had these like incisions and it it was so scary to walk around and be in a car. I was like, oh, my God, if we wreck, I'm my chest is Mm going to
3: blow. uh, Yeah, I I
4: was it was I was and hugging people. So it took a few months to physically feel okay. And, and my situation with C. diff turned around and I started being able to ingest food again. And hey. yeah, it was amazing. Um, and then, you know, like, a, I I had moved to New York. Amy Schumer had hired me to work on her show in New York before I was diagnosed. And she and the network were all so kind and, you know, I, I was essentially being paid to have cancer uh, because my trip out to New York got delayed. Sure. And and I was trying to work and pitch ideas and jokes through Skype and whatever. But I was, you know, it was really a hard time. Sure. (laughs) And then I got out there with... Stitches in my chest. I wanted Jesus. to be back into my life immediately. And Sarah Silverman flew with me. We flew together to New York, and um, so she could carry my suitcases and whatever. I couldn't lift anything. I I, I was I couldn't do anything. Just any strain or yeah. You know, yeah. And so and then I was in an office, and I was at, at now I'm looking back and realizing I was just going through the motions of trying to be alive again. You know what I mean? I didn't feel right yet i i i'm certain i appeared it to some degree to people and cuz amy would always say she's like i always forget that like you had cancer <laughs> and we would be and i'd be like oh i'm i'm aware you know <laughs> I, I there was so much going on in my head that it was and i i i'm i'm just so thankful for that time because i was really trying to acclimate and um but once i got back to la after I moved back from New York, I remember I, I woke up, and I think it was January first, and walked out of my apartment. I felt like Mary Tyler Moore, you know, like the opening <laughs> sequence. Like I, I just, I was like, oh my gosh! It felt so symbolic that it was January first, 2013. I just moved back the day before, woke up in my own place. My scars, you know, my incisions had healed, and I just was like all right, I I think I'm back, you know? And, and so that was like, there were so many different layers, I guess is my point from uh, reconciling with my, my body and my emotional state of mind. And, and it was just, it was, it was a, it was a journey.
1: When you look at 2012, do you think of it as like a lost year?
4: No, Uh -uh. it was uh -uh. not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all.
1: What do you think of it? It's like when you th- when you sort of when you're categorizing it.
4: It was so aside from losing my mother, you know, because that it, it it it, you know, I there there were times where you where I I've thought I think I know what it would be like to lose my mother. I think I can get in touch with that. I, it was it was something I couldn't even imagine. It was a pain. I couldn't. I'd never experienced that pain, and so. Aside from that, everything from, I mean, I really felt like I was facing death with C. diff. And my breakup and realizing what I want and what I'm looking for and what I can do. And to my stand up set to everything that opened negative or positive was so mind blowing to me it was i was pushed to such an th- the edge of things so quickly that there's no way that year is wasted <laughs> like the 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 view that i got was so incredible and i'm so thankful for because everything birthed such grand amazingness
1: well i'm glad i'm glad that i'm glad that you're able to have that view that i think a lot of people may not necessarily have but you also don't you know <laughs> i i I, didn't, I don't want to be the guy who's like but in the end, aren't you thankful? You know, because I cause I, imagine I, am. Some, cause, cause I imagine sometimes you could say that to someone and they'd be like, no, fuck you. Why would I, anyone ever want to go through any of that? No, stuff.
4: I am. I'm beyond thankful. I feel lucky. I, I, I'm writing a book and and exploring. It's about that four month period of time. And, you know, I spin off and explain my mother and explain our relationship, which was very complicated. And um, and and it's so different from writing stand up you know writing a book just really really getting in touch with my surroundings and feelings and and um and it's uh uh i kind of don't know what i was saying but other than but to
1: relive it by writing it is mm-hmm. is also a pretty that seems pretty consistent with the sense of i feel like you know i mean it is really amazing that you've been not a Or if you were afraid, you pushed through it anyway, but not afraid to face the pain head on. Like, you did it with the stand-up, you know, you went through it, you immediately dealt with it. You know, it has not quite been a year, but you're already writing the book. And still, in the book, you're going to be, you're dredging up. Things that you probably forgot about or didn't hadn't realized yet.
4: Yes, and I've I've been a crybaby doing that too. Like writing the book and and I I relive a moment of when my stepfather called me, you know, and really not just what I felt but what he must have been feeling to make that phone call and um and calling my brother. Just there there's so many things that um yeah it it digs up and but i feel lucky we're all lucky as entertainers writers performers that cuz i i'm constantly thinking how do people get it out how we're so lucky that we can
1: someone doesn't most people don't have a stand up show that they can Yeah
4: go to. or 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 a book i mean you could go write a book sure um but people don't always do that and so i feel I'm so lucky and I always say I feel like I was the perfect person to go through this because I had money in the bank and work coming up and health insurance and friends and family and and I get so many emails from people that are dying, that are weeks away from their death and people that have lost people or that are just having a rotten day and they're just like, you have helped me so much and I feel like I can do this. I feel like I can face this. I feel like I can die. I feel like, not because of me, but just having uh, strength and, and, and I feel that's why it goes back to, I feel so lucky. 2012 is not a waste. If I'm forever tied to this story, I feel lucky to be because it's, it's an experience. I couldn't have imagined this and it's not just about, oh, yeah, I'm busier with my career and I've had more success and that's great. But there's really something that it has done to me and it's been such a gift. And, uh, yeah, it's it sounds cheesy and, and cliche, but it, it's so true. I, I don't know how people wouldn't experience that feeling or, you know, especially being... And when I was saying I talked to Louis a couple of weeks ago, one of the things that I talked to him about was the word bravery. And I, I don't know, you were talking about how meeting it head on. And and I said, it's, it's uncomfortable to, when you're diagnosed with cancer, you're immediately called brave. And I, I was telling him, I kind of felt a little weird, you know, <laughs> getting that word tied to me. And I didn't feel brave. You know, if somebody came over to my house, you would see somebody in fetal position on the couch or in bed crying for their mother. I didn't feel brave. And Louis was saying that bravery is the capacity... It's not saying you don't feel scared. No, it's pushing through it anyway. Yeah, and and because I was picturing, like, what if the military needed me. And they were just right. like, we, we need some brave. Good, question. You, know, like,
1: good you think, question. you think of like brave heart yeah, yeah, where yeah. it's like, oh, I have to storm everyone with <laughs> right. fears. Like, Tig, we need you on the front line. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. so I was
4: like, what if they come to get me and they put like a rifle in my hand or something? And they're like, we're looking for a brave person. There she is. And I'm yeah. like,
3: <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I, I tell have I cancer. It. I, I think, need my mother. But I think,
1: I think if someone doesn't feel fear, <laughs> mm-hmm. then they're a sociopath. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I think, I absolutely agree with Louie. I think the bravery thing is like this is terrifying, somehow I'm going to find the strength to to do it anyway. Doing that show was fucking insanely brave because you don't know how you're going to what it's going to you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if you're going to be able to handle it. You don't know if the audience is going to be able to I handle it. You don't know if I'm it. living. You don't know if you're living or dying. You and and somehow you just did it. You just did it anyway. And you pushed through it. I think that's you know, I don't think it's necessarily in the presentation of like, "Oh, I cried or oh, I had a freak out or whatever. I think that's just human like mm-hmm. you know, but to 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 somehow find the wherewithal to focus and push through anyway that's that is that's an insane amount of bravery uh,
4: well it it's, it's, it is'm it is nice to have that perspective on bravery because I did feel. Embarrassed and like I wanted to always speak. and be like i I'm- I have to tell you something. I'm actually not brave. I think you're thinking
1: of. I think you're thinking of that <laughs> yeah. idea that most people have of like cinematic bravery. Sure. Of like. Sure. Come on, just follow me. We'll yeah. get you know the guy yeah. who's been shot nine yeah. times, and he's like, "Is that all you
3: got?" You know.
4: <laughs> Which it kind of was, uh, <laughs> but no, I I I, it, I needed that shift in perspective, you know, because it was it was uncomfortable. The amount that people use the word bravery, and
1: and so this uh, has any of this just sort of shifting gears a little bit. Has any of this followed into because you're doing a you're essentially you've done this tour. You've kind of done a you want to do a tour.
4: I want to do a tour.
1: Didn't you? You're you're touring. You want to like tour people's houses. Oh
4: oh right 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 yeah yeah. Uh, Showtime's filming um, me touring my fans homes i'm gonna be doing shows in living rooms, rooftops, <laughs> barns, basements, one chicken ranch, you know <laughs> your own place yes <laughs> they're gonna let you shoot at your <laughs> own home. advantage yeah. yeah uh so yeah i'm I'm gonna go work out some new material uh on the road and um and then I'm probably going to eventually do a more proper tour but right now i'm focusing on my book and and then my cd that we've talked about live mm-hmm. um it's it's going to be in hard copy which i'm oh, excited awesome. about and a picture disc they they're making 500 uh Uh, Final. final. I can't wait to get Tig
1: Notaro live. No, no, it's live. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
4: that's why I named it that.
1: Are you? You you want people to? to Well,
4: I, I just live and live. Well, because so many comedy and music albums are called live, as you know, and. so I, I just thought it'd be funny if if I <laughs> called it live and had to always correct people. <laughs> <laughs> so Tignataro no, no, <laughs> no, live. No, it's actually live. Are you sure? Because it was a live show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just. It, it, I always thought it was a funny idea, and then when this happened, it was just perfect to call this album live. Yeah. And um, and so that's my album. Did you
1: uh, did you immediately kind of start? you know, once you started feeling better, where you're like, here's 10 things I always wanted to do that now I'm going to go do quickly. Like, did Do you, you mean bucket list? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> was it a, did you have a retroactive bucket list? Or at the time, did you sort of feel like, I guess I did everything. I don't know.
4: Well, you know, it, it's funny because when... Um, <laughs> when I... It's funny because uh, <laughs> when... It's not really funny, but it's funny. Uh, when I was home... When my mother died and I was in the middle of having C. diff and withering away, I was (laughs) crying under my bed and, um, and I was just thinking, how is it that I'm about to die right after my mother? And I was kind of replaying my life and thinking how I've had such a crazy, amazing life. And I wasn't thinking this like, oh, I'm, I'm ready to die. But I thought, I'm about to die. So I was trying to come to grips with that. And I was thinking how I have traveled the world. I have my career. I mean, all I ever wanted to do was an open mic. I mean, I had no real. I didn't move to L.A. to to do. I followed friends because they moved here, and I had no real direction, you know. <laughs> and I did an open mic, and so I, I just it was so beyond. I've been in love. I've I have amazing friends. I was really going through that, and so I've I felt like if I do die, I'm not somebody that's in a third world country that that my entire existence was hell and then somebody murdered me and you know what I mean? Like right. I, I, I didn't, I, I've had an unbelievable life. And so I've always had this kind of joke, real thing that I've done called how about now? How about right now? And uh, my friends, Beth and Leslie that I moved to LA with that, Beth had direction and Leslie and I just got in the car and, <laughs> and then uh, we went out here, but I always did this thing. How about now? How about right now? And it's just like, you're driving down the road, you pass a bowling alley at 10 in the morning. It's like, how about now? How about right now? You know, and like five minutes later you have bowling shoes on and you're bowling at ten in the morning and it just like jolts you alive, you know? You're like, Oh my god, we're bowling. <laughs> this is so stupid. Nobody's here. You know? And so how about now, how about right now has always been in my life, but more than ever, it's how about now, how about right now?
1: Is that the name of the book?
4: No. Um, but it's gonna be the name of something. It's gotta be. Yeah, yeah. And um And uh, there's a a song that I've been working on with this this, uh, slam poet that I know in Boulder. She's brilliant. Her name's uh, Andrea Gibson. And I called her with this idea that I wanted to collaborate and had all these visuals and ideas of just really living your life and how about now how about right now and so uh what she the recording she sent to me last week my head exploded it, I, i'm i'm so excited about it i'm so excited about this
1: when's the song gonna be done
4: i'm not quite sure it, it's how about now how about right how now, about now? Uh, <laughs> that's a good one yeah, Chris. Yeah, thank you <laughs> um yeah hopefully soon hopefully real soon uh that's the follow-up
1: are, are you gonna are you, no that's matt's follow-up <laughs> <Yeah>.
4: <laughs> the myra method yeah, hopefully, yeah, I'll get it
0: hopefully soon maybe soon is your book gonna be called uh read by
1: tig notaro but then you, everyone's gonna say red you know it's read
4: <laughs> good one yeah. that's good. It's, it's like the recurring yeah recurring
1: i think the trick is she doesn't want to stick to the same thing over and over again it's just like that was the one
4: I haven't even thought about anything to be honest, <laughs>
1: except that chicken <laughs>
4: <laughs> waiting
1: for you in that house. Now I feel like I have to get you a chicken as a joke. I feel like I have to send you a chicken, but then that's gonna
0: get
4: be- me a chicken sincerely, Chris. <laughs> Ooh, a chicken
0: sincerely Don't- sounds really good right now. <laughs>
4: yeah. Um. When Very I
0: nice, sincere on when the skin.
4: Fuck. <laughs> when I go out to eat and I have ordered chicken in the past, I like to order it as chickens. Because it sounds so personal. You know? I'll have I'll have chickens. <laughs> <laughs> do you serve chickens?
1: Well we serve chicken. Yeah, but if it comes if there's a few pieces, do I know that those are from the same one? Yeah.
4: Chickens. Oh. I would like to eat chickens tonight.
1: Yeah, we have chicken. Only one? <laughs> yeah. You're a restaurant, you should get more. <laughs> hey, I've got the one chicken place. You're a restaurant. I expect more from you.
4: Yeah, one chicken. The one ranch. chicken ranch. <laughs> But so, yeah, I, I don't have like a, an exact list just to wrap Try that,
2: that up. salad dressing on the Sincerely Chicken.
4: Yeah, I guess that's true.
1: You wouldn't go into a place and go, do you have a hamburger? You go, do you have hamburgers? Do you guys yeah. serve
4: hamburgers? Yeah. Do you have fries? Yeah. Chickens. Do you have chickens? Yeah. I'd like to eat some chickens tonight. <laughs> it endlessly tickles me <laughs> like years, decades into me at restaurants. Asking for chickens, to eat chickens tonight.
2: That's going to be the moment when you're right at that yeah. building. Yeah, the plane's going a, to the building. You're going to look at the menu, and, the, and it says
1: chicken. You're be like, I'm
4: ordering a meal on the flight <laughs> that's going into the building. Why aren't they coming? Like, oh, the chickens?
2: Yeah. <laughs> Why is no one <laughs> paying attention
1: to me? Was, uh, when you were just sort of in wrapping up, I, I'm curious to know, when you were traveling with Sarah, and you were spending time with Sarah, and you were going through this, <laughs> was she... I ass- what I assumed Sarah would be was like compassionate, but also cracking a lot of jokes to try to make mm-hmm. you feel better. Mm-hmm. Did you have a favorite cancer joke of Sarah's?
4: Well, the best one that she did, <laughs> she, uh, not in traveling. In traveling, I showed up, because for a while, I had to just wear button downs because I couldn't pull T-shirts on or sure. off. And um, so I was always wearing button downs. But when I met her, and this isn't a joke or anything, but she just, when I, when I showed up at the airport and I just had on a white t-shirt, she was like, she's like, Oh my God, you look so extra Fonzie cute, (laughs) you know, just like, and, um, or tiny Fonzie cute, um, in your, in your t-shirt. And, um, and then, but at the hospital, she met me there at six in the morning for my surgery and, she was there before I got there and and when I walked into the lobby <laughs> 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 When I walked into the lobby I was with my aunt too. My aunt had driven up from Oceanside and and um and so my aunt had hadn't met Sarah yet and we walked into the hospital and Sarah was in the lobby and she's like, "Oh my god, did you already have the surgery done?" <laughs> 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 it was it killed me it was just uh, like uh she kills me yeah
1: uh, you are and you are also like with everything else that you said you're also you're also very fortunate that you have like the funniest friends that anyone yeah it's possibly have
4: it's like the funniest people in the world <laughs> are your friends. Are my happen to be my friends? They're your support group. Yeah, yeah. And and my ho- my hotel, my hospital room was a suite, and I woke up just so drugged, and my my room was just overflowing. I'm sure the people at the hospital were just like, "Who is this? <laughs> you know, what is going on?" They in actually there?
1: started an open mic in your room. They
4: did. <laughs> did they, they did. Did they really? Yes. And they were doing. I was like, I was I, <laughs> comedians. Yes, they were doing their sets in my room. Oh I was lying God. in my hospital bed, requesting bits and for the next person to go up. I was like out of my mind, drug. Uh.
1: All right, I'll just wrap it up with this one <laughs> last. Mm-hmm. Uh,
4: no, I'm flatlining. Yeah, you're flatlining. Yeah, yeah that's right. You're flatlining. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay, like, I'll
1: just wrap it up. Yeah.
4: Uh... yeah, yeah. It was pretty amazing. My aunt was just sitting there going, "You know, here I've been worried about you, without your mother and and all of this that you're going through and she just loved my friends and how just, she just felt so good and, and relieved and that she could leave town and not just leave me, <laughs> but just, you know, that I was clearly in good hands. You know, my friends were fighting to spend the night with me and go home and take care of me. I was, it was, it was overload of, of care.
1: How come we didn't get any time? And that's a comic thing.
4: How come yeah. I didn't get to perform? Who booked at the, that hospital room? <laughs> who booked that? God, I
1: don't know. Was it? Was it? It was like a draw from a
4: the chicken. Did, the chicken. Did they draw books from it. a fucking chicken. Yeah, the chicken books the uh, the hospital suite. Yeah. Well, thank you for
1: thanks for coming on. I'm not and, and
4: leaving. I have more to say. You can talk more. No, uh, no. Um, thanks for having no,
1: me. No, 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 no. And and you know, I, I'm sure you've talked about um, all of this first before. time. <laughs> first time. <laughs> but um, but uh, I really um. You know, I am I, I, I was always nervous because I didn't – when I texted you, yeah. I sort of felt like I wanted to – and I think I may have even said this in an email. I kind of wanted to be on top of you, to be like, okay, are you okay? Mm-hmm. And then I thought – everyone's probably doing that mm-hmm. and I don't know you well enough and I don't know if that's okay and I didn't, I was worried that I was going to be one more person I'm like please just fucking leave me alone.
3: Stop I'm thinking, caring just, about just me. Just
0: know that Chris is a really caring person.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if you took anything from No, 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 but seriously.
4: Here's the thing is that was another amazing thing about what I went through and that is that first of all, I appreciate that and I was not, as you can imagine, ever being like, where's Chris Hardwick? No, I know that. I, I know, know that. No, of course. Of course you know that. But even if there are people that I didn't hear from, which I pretty much heard from everybody, and people that I was, I had like three people in my life that I was not on great terms with, and I heard from them. And I've been so lucky to have this crazy clean slate in life where. Except my my most recent ex, but um, <laughs> but but even I we don't I know she doesn't hate me or anything. Right. But um, the amazing thing that I learned is that you can't gauge. You know, people have their strengths and weaknesses, and this isn't directly talking to you, but it's sure. kind of a spinoff of that. Is I had friends that could do things. In certain ways, but they could not help me in other ways. And if you took it, if if you wanted to really take it personally, you could be like, "And um, this person didn't call to do this, right? And right, it doesn't right. it, it that's their weakness, and it doesn't make them a bad person, and it doesn't wash away right your entire friendship, right? That's a weakness that they have, and I." St- Still, love my friends that fell short, or could have been seen as falling short in sure. ways, because they really have not fallen short in our friendship in other ways, right. at other times, and they're facing their own issues with what I'm going through, right. and and it's that's really what I learned. I, I knew that before all of this hell went on. But I really got it. Yeah. Some uh, some
1: people are going to jump right in, and other people are going to be too freaked out because it's just yes. the proximity of it's horrifying to them
4: for whatever reason in their life, and for whatever reason in our friendship or their abilities. And you have to just go. I'm not going to write this person off.
1: Yeah. You know. I think. Um, I think. For. I think for me, it's was sort of going like, well, we're pals, but we're not like really great friends. We don't know mm-hmm. each other and mm-hmm. I I don't know, I just didn't I I didn't want you to feel the responsibility of like, now you have to explain all this to me. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't really around much before, yeah. but here I am. Yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so I just didn't really know what my what you know what I, I could do I just didn't know what I was supposed to do. And yeah, so I yeah. just I wrote an email which I actually kind of cried while I was writing it because I just I don't know, it was a weird it was a very weird, you know, it felt scary and I was like, I don't know what I'm to do to help, I don't know what I'm supposed to do and I don't know this person very yeah, yeah, well yeah. but I just wanted to know that I yeah. care and I don't want anything to happen to her Yeah,
4: yeah no, and I, I appreciate that, I, I do I mean, any, even when I just Ran into people and they're like, Hey, how are you? How's your health? Or I see strangers on the street. I'm walking across the street and somebody's like, Hey, I, I know you have weird food issues, but there's a really great restaurant over, <laughs> you know? And it's just like everything is so good. Yeah. That, and where I'm just like, You're awesome. Thank you, you know? Or even if somebody I can tell they're uncomfortable talking to me about it, I, I've, I'm fine with whatever, if people are uncomfortable or they are just like, I'm, I'm fine. I feel so good and I, I get it. And I, and on a very close personal level, I, I, like I said, friends could have seemed like they fell short, but they didn't. It's fine. You know, it's, it's a, it's a huge, I feel so lucky.
1: Well, it's uh it's great to see you and I, I'm glad to hear you're doing stand up again and you know, let us know when you're doing the when you start doing the tour and you know.
4: I start in a few weeks. Oh do you really? <laughs> yeah. There's a video that Showtime put up that people uh when does this go out?
1: Uh, we can put this up is whenever you want.
4: Oh, how about now? How about right oh, now? Shit! Ah! Oh shit! Um, oh live stream. <laughs> but uh yeah, Showtime has a YouTube page and also I have a Facebook fan page that it's on. The The video that you can go to that sends you... Oh, well, it's tigroadtrip.com um, and you fill out a form and send in pictures and videos and then I decide if I'm coming over to your house. <laughs> <laughs>
3: so,
4: and I'm going to be with John Doerr.
3: Oh,
1: Fucking,
4: uh, yeah, great. Yeah, he's going to be my sidekick.
1: Oh, he's going to be so perfect in that situation. Yeah,
4: it's going to be so much fun.
1: So. All right. And also Tignataro on Twitter, at Tignataro on, on Not Twitter. on Twitter. You're
4: not on Twitter? No, sir. You have to be. You're not? Not on Twitter, not on Instagram, not on uh, the little video Vine, Vine thing. Why did I think someone is post? There's not a Tignataro on Twitter? Uh, there's like fan things. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, that's what but I saw. But I'm not on there. I, uh, I post on my fan page on Facebook here and there. Okay. Um
2: her MySpace page, she still keeps that up, and Friendster, yeah, and yeah. her I, Live Journal, still. Mm-hmm. Oh, Live Journal.
1: Um, I guess. Well, normally so my
4: Facebook fan page would be would be the place. Yeah.
1: Normally, we say people enjoy their burrito at the end of the podcast, but I think we have to end it by saying, uh, "How about now? How about right
4: now?" Great. All right. Bye. 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 Oh, that was
1: a disaster.
4: Sorry about that. God damn it.
1: I thought you were gonna bring it. <laughs> Chris, we're still recording. What?
4: That's okay. That's okay. I've learned my lesson in life and it's that everything's fine.
3: Help. It's too late. So <laughs>
4: insulted.
3: <laughs> now leaving nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito.